I'm still offended they didn't ask me to be a part of the quartet. <laughs> I think there's some obvious reasons for that. Amen. <laughs> Thank you, fellas. I appreciate that. Wonderful song. Praise the Lord. And uh, talk with Jesus. It does make it right. Amen. Praise the Lord. Take your Bible, please, this morning. And go with me to the small book of Esther in the Old Testament, the small book of Esther and chapter number four, the book of Esther and chapter number four. And I want to speak this morning on our theme for this week on the subject for such a time as this. Have you ever wondered why God allowed you to be born in the generation and in the time and in the place that he allowed you to be born. You could have been born a thousand years ago in a, in a whole different country, in a whole different place. You could have been born, uh, you, could, you could have been born a hundred years ago. You could have been born um, into a Muslim home. You could have been born into a Chinese or a, a Buddhist home that uh, does not even know Christ or believe in Christ. But why is it that in this time, in the time in which we live, God has allowed you and me to be born and live in the time and in the place that he has? You know, I think there's some answers in the Bible about that, about a woman named Esther who had a time in her life when she realized when she realized what God had put her in that time and in that place for and i want to speak on her today i want to speak on this lady named Esther who found the importance of the time that God had placed her in so if you begin with me in chapter 4 and verse number 10 of this passage, Esther chapter number 4, we're going to begin reading with verse number 10 this story, this morning, and then I'm going to unfold for you this story of Esther and tie it to why God has allowed us to live and the purpose for which God has given us to live life in this time and in this place. So please read along with me this morning, Esther chapter 4, beginning with verse number 10, and we'll read through the rest of the passage here. The Bible says here, Again, Esther spake unto Hatak, and gave him commandment unto Mordecai. All the king's servants and the people of the king's provinces do know that whosoever, whether man or woman, shall come unto the king into the inner court who is not called, there is one law of his to put him to death, except such to whom the king shall hold out the golden scepter, that he may live. But I have not been called to come into the king these thirty days. And they told to Mordecai Esther's words. Then Mordecai commanded to answer Esther, Think not with thyself that thou shalt escape into the king's house for more than all the Jews. For if thou altogether holdest thy peace at this time, then there then shall their enlargement and deliverance arise to the Jews from another place. But thou and thy father's house shall be destroyed. And who knoweth whether thou art come to the kingdom for such a time 
as this. Then Esther spake, uh, I'm sorry, then Esther bade them return Mordecai this answer. Go, gather together all the Jews that are present in Shushan and fast for me and neither eat or drink three days, night or day. I also and my maidens will fast likewise and so will I go in unto the king, which is not according to the law. And if I perish, I perish. So Mordecai went his way and did according to all that Esther had commanded him. Would you pray with me this morning? Father, thank you for thy word this morning. And Lord, as we open it up this morning, how important these truths are today as we focus on the need and the importance of missions. I pray, Lord, the Holy Spirit power would meet with us in this place this morning. I pray that if there's one lost and not saved today, that you would convince them in their heart of their need to be saved and to trust you before it's eternally too late. Father, we thank you for dying on that old rugged cross for us and our sins. Thank you for shedding your blood for us that we might have the freedom of salvation. And so this morning, Lord, as we open your word, we ask your guidance and your direction, Lord, as we preach thy word today. Lord, we'll be careful to thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want to explain to you what's going on in the story. It wasn't really clear from what we read. So I want to tell you a little bit about what the story is about and what it means. In this passage of Scripture, it takes place in a far distant land called Persia, about 500 years before Christ came. It's a story about a king uh, who could be very angry. His name was Xerxes, and his wife was the queen who was a Jew. Her name was Esther. Esther became his queen because Xerxes previously had a queen named Vashti. But she wouldn't submit to everything that he wanted her to do. And in a rage, he got rid of her as the queen. In chapter 2, they paraded many other ladies for the king to be presented that he might choose a new queen. And this Esther caught his eye. It wasn't long before he, in the end of chapter 2, he married Esther. But at that time, he did not know that she was a Jew. The king took her to be his wife. And there were many Jews also who lived in that land because they were taken captive in 586 B.C. and brought to this land decades before. But Xerxes had an evil man in his court that had a very evil influence on him, and he didn't know it, but his name was Haman. And Haman hated the Jews. He hated him so much, hated them so much, that he influenced the king to make a law. That law was to kill all the Jews at an appointed day and an appointed time. Even the little children and even the elderly, they all were to perish on one designated day in the land of Persia. 
They were all to be annihilated, every last one of them. When Queen Esther, being a Jew herself, heard about it, she heard this evil law and she knew that not only every Jew would be annihilated, but all of her own family would be destroyed also. And so she, as a queen, wrestled inside of herself on what to do about it and how she could save her people. Esther began to realize that there was nobody else in all the kingdom who had any influence on the king for the good except for her. Haman had deceived the king. He had lied to the king. And there was no one in the entire land that could change the king's heart but her. But Esther knew that even she could not come into the king's court without being summoned into his presence. And verse 11 tells us what this law meant, that if anyone were to come into the king's presence and to violate this law without the permission of the king, they'd immediately be killed. You had to be summoned by the king. She knew that this was a dilemma. But it was a chance that she had to take. So Esther finally surrenders herself to boldly enter the king's court. Despite without no summons, she opens those doors and she walks right in to the king whom had already banished another queen for her disobedience, knowing that her life was at stake. But you see, Esther had thousands of others on her mind that day. She did not have her own self-interest in mind. She knew that at that day and at that time, there was only one person, only one person, that could change the lives of thousands and thousands of people. And so Esther bravely gained the understanding walking into the king's court bravely and said, if I perish, I perish. She had willingly made herself a sacrifice to God before she actually had to walk into that court. But she knew that if she remained silent and didn't do anything, that she might save her own head, but the lives of thousands of people under her were at stake. So she boldly understood that she cannot remain silent. And with a love and a compassion in her heart for all those people who she could see in her mind's eye, she entered that king's court and boldly proclaimed Haman's wicked plot to her husband, the king. And somehow the Lord touched the heart of that king. He turned his heart and sent Haman 
with all his deceit and all his lies to the gallows. And every Jew was saved that day because this one woman stuck her neck out that thousands could be saved. She gave up not just her comfort. She gave up not just her position as a queen. She gave up willingly her very life, knowing the law, knowing what she was facing. But she really willingly risked her own life so that these people would not perish. She was willing to perish for them and willing to give her life because she could not remain silent about the truth, but had to speak so that many could be saved. Now, can I tell you today, this is a wonderful and a powerful story. It's a picture of a lady who at her time that she lived, she found why God had given her the purpose that he had given her. There was nobody else, no one in the whole kingdom that could change the king's heart except her. And she willingly and bravely stepped up. Now, can I give you some thoughts today about our time? This is our time, folks. This is the time that God has chosen for you and me to live. This is our day. God didn't allow you. You know, those that were born hundreds of years ago, they're gone. Their influence is gone. But can I tell you, this is our time for such a time as this. And can I say, first of all, this morning, that there are still millions of people that will end up in spiritual destruction in the time that we live if we keep silent. There are millions in this very day who will, just like in Esther's day, face spiritual destruction forever and ever. They will end up in an eternal flame of Hell fire forever and ever. Some say hell is not real. But may I tell you, hell is talked about more in the Bible than heaven is. It's in more times than any. And this is a time that God has given you and me. Because you're alive and breathing today. This is a time when millions Millions will end up in spiritual destruction in this day in which we live. There's never been more people on the face of the earth than right now. And so I believe the, great, the responsibility is greater for the church to go and reach them by all means. Reach them with all we have. There are still millions. Do you realize today that you could have been born in a, a Muslim home? You could have been born in the West Bank of Palestine in a home of a Muslim who grew up learning to hate people. You could have been born that way. You could have been born in the backwoods of China 
and been a Buddhist or a Taoist and not, not know Christ. You could have been born in Mongolia and have to pray with wheels spinning and different things. You could, have, you could have been born at a whole different time. You could have been born at a whole different place. But God chose for you and me to see and do something about millions of people that can be changed. Their life can be changed. So I say to you today, secondly, that there is still a deceiver and a liar in the time in which we live. Haman is still running around. He is deceiving men. He is deceiving the minds of people. He is telling them that if you just do good works, you're fine. There are many roads to heaven. If you follow whatever road you feel like, you'll make it somehow. Can I tell you, Haman is still alive and well. He is working his deceitful works. If you could get to heaven by good works, why would Jesus have needed to die on the cross for our sins? If every road leads to heaven, why did Jesus say, I am the way, the truth, and the life? You see, Haman is all around us. We're reminded in 1 Peter 5 and verse 8 that the devil is as a roaring lion walking about seeking whom he may devour. He is in the business of devouring and destroying lives. John chapter 10 and verse 10, Jesus says here in John 10, the thief cometh not but for to kill and to steal and to destroy. But I am come that you might have life and that ye might have it more abundantly. What a promise of God. What a promise of God. There is still Satan working. But I want to tell you something. Satan is trying to keep men's minds and hearts blinded from the truth of the missionary. He is desperately trying to work because in every generation he knows his time could be very short. Take your Bible and go with me to first, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Go over there with me, please. I want to show you a passage of Scripture that God gives us to understand this a little bit better. 2 Corinthians chapter number 4. Notice, if you would, verse number 3. And here's what the Bible says. It says, if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God, notice the little g, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ should sh who is the image of God, should shine unto them. I want to tell you something, folks. Satan is actively working to blind the minds of men. Haman is still around. Haman is still deceiving. Look at verse number 5. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves, your servants, 
for Jesus' sake. And look at verse 6. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. That right there is the answer for the time in which we live. This is our time. And if we keep silent about the gospel, if we keep it hidden, hide it under a bushel, no, I'm going to let it shine. Let it shine till Jesus comes. I'm going to let it shine. Hear me, had Esther not gone in and spoke up, the gospel would have been hid. So many would have died in her day and age. And so it is in our time. So it is in the day which we live. You know, you can go to Uganda, you can go to any of these missionary places and talk to people, and there are people in darkness who will see the light of Christ. What a blessing. And you're going to see them on the screen this week. People whose lives were originally in darkness, but because the missionary went, their lives not in darkness anymore. The light of the glorious gospel has shined on their heart, pulling them out of darkness. Why? Because in Genesis 1, God is the one we know who takes darkness and voidness and shines light and brings life. That's our God. So I say to you today that there's still a deceiver and a liar in the time which we live. But can I say this? There is, it, this is our time to make a difference. This is our chance to make a difference. If there's only two things that live forever, now I, I like good investments, don't you? That's why I don't buy a Ford. And all God's people said, that's why I don't buy a Ford. Amen? I like good investments. That's why you'll see a Chevrolet in my parking lot. Amen? Amen. I know we're going to split the church right down the middle when I say that. Amen? That's how it goes. But I want to tell you something. I like good investments. I don't like an investment that just lasts this life. Don't you want an investment that would last for eternity? I want something that's going to just keep right on going and going and going and going. I want to keep clipping them coupons. Amen. Forever and ever and ever. I want to keep on going. Let me tell you something. There's two things going to live forever. And two things only. Not even Chevy, sorry. Two things only are going to live forever. This book's going to live forever. Thy word is forever settled in heaven. You're not going to change the word. It's forever settled in heaven. But there's a second thing, and only a second thing. The souls of men who are saved are going to live forever. Everything else is going to be gone. And let me tell you something. This is our time to make a difference. It's our time. It's our time. You can't relive the past. You have to get the vision of today and see like Esther, 
knew she held something powerful in her ability. You say, Brother Larson, I'm not a king. I'm not a, a queen. I'm not any of these things. What can I do? Let me tell you what you can do. If you invest in any of these two things in your time, it's going to live forever and ever and ever and ever. It's never going to go away. So I say to you, this is our time. You know, Philip realized this in the Bible in Acts chapter 8, that as he lived 2,000 years ago, he had the time that he was living in. And he saw a eunuch standing, sitting there in his Bible, reading his Bible. He was in, sitting in a chariot. And he's just watching this man reading his Bible. Philip could have gone and kept silent, couldn't he? Philip could have left and been on his way, carried on his, he could have done his thing. But he noticed the man reading his Bible. And he went up and he climbed into that chariot. He said, do you understand what you're reading? He took time to personally find that man and give him the gospel. And can I tell you what? That Ethiopian unit got saved, trusted Christ in that chariot because he wouldn't be silent. He went to him and tried and gave him the gospel. Can I tell you, once you're dead and gone and they put a headstone where your body lays, when that happens, your time is over. Your time's gone. But today is our time. And time means opportunity. It means an opportunity to do something. Philip would not be silent. He wanted the eunuch to have the same joy inside of him that he had. Number four, did you know the missionary is our Esther today? The missionary is our Esther today. Thousands of lives depended on one woman, Esther. And can I tell you, thousands of lives in Uganda, down there in Louisiana, down with Brother Cromwell's work in different places, they're dependent. They're dependent on their soul's salvation by that missionary actually going and speaking up. They are the Esther of our time. They are the ones that have to take that opportunity. And if they don't take that opportunity, they can't get there if we can't send them. And if we can't send them, their opportunity is missed. I want you to take your Bible and go to Romans chapter 10 with me. In your Bible, please. The book of Romans, chapter number 10. I want you to notice what this Bible says here. Romans chapter 10, look at verse number 14. Notice what it says. It says, how then shall they call on him in whom they have not heard, not believed? And how then shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? 
How beautiful, as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. I was so tempted to have missionaries come up here and take their shoes off this morning and show you their feet, right? But something told me otherwise, amen? I chose differently. But you get the point is that the feet have to carry the gospel. And the gospel is the opportunity to take them from darkness to light. If there's no gospel, if it's, if it's hidden, if it's not spoken, it, if it's not spoken, they'll never hear. And the missionary can never get there unless we send, we send them. I say to you today that this is our time. If it's our time, then we ought to do everything we can to reach our generation. When you close your eyes in death, there will be a peace and a joy in your heart. You may not have driven new cars or had fancy homes. You may not have had all the things that you maybe could have had in this life. But I'll promise you, when you close your eyes in death, there'll be a peace in your heart that in your time, you did what you could to reach somebody for the Lord Jesus Christ. You'll be glad. As it close, I want to say last this morning, do you know one missionary can make a great difference? Did you know that? One missionary. One missionary. One missionary can make a great difference. You see, this thing is really great because Brother Matt's you got started two works, right? Imbarada and Kasese. Now Fort Portal. Where else? Six works going. Amen. Hallelujah. Now the day's going to come when Brother Matt dies. If he misbehaves, his wife's got a frying pan. Right? There's a day when he's going to pass on. Guess what happens? The works, those six works keep on going to the next generation. And it becomes their time. But had he not done what he did in his time, the next generation would not do what they can do in their time. So I'm saying to you today, we're not just interested in our time. I'm interested in the next time and the next time and the next time all the way through until Jesus comes back again. That is the power of the gospel. And that is what happens when in your life you support a missionary. (laughs) 200 years from now, you're in heaven. Somebody walks into heaven. Does, remember that money that you gave to that missionary who sent somebody to my town who built the church and somebody got saved there and they went to another town and and this happens five or six times and eventually from that one missionary down the line and down the road, somebody else gave the gospel to them. Hundreds of years later. Can I tell you, I wonder how many people, I wonder how many people 
are in heaven right now that are seeing people come there because in their time they served the Lord. They did what they could do in their time. And there's people coming into heaven left and right because somebody caught that vision that they could do something in their time and it affected all future times after them. All you got to do is go to a man named Adniram Judson who in 1821 went to a country called Burma. Preached the gospel back in the jungles of Burma. Endured the pain, endured the sweat. and <laughs> But he saw Burmese people one after one, another after another come to the gospel. You can go to Burma now and see remnants, Baptist people, saved people who are generations past from Adoniram Judson when he went there in 1821. Christian's still there. Can I tell you what? Our life is not just about our time. It's about seeing what we can do in our time to affect all the times down the road. It's going to matter someday. It's going to matter. Esther gave up something to see that her generation and her time could be saved. And can I say to you today, God sometimes asks us to give up some things, some comforts, some things so that someone can be saved, so that the missionary can go, so that we can send them, that they can give the gospel. And by the way, I don't support a missionary who's not going to go give the gospel. Amen? That's what it's all about. The gospel. And when they go and they give that gospel, the glorious light shines in their heart and they give it to somebody else and the gospel shines in their heart and this thing just keeps going and going until Jesus comes. It's about doing something what we can do in our time. Can I tell you something? When you give to missions and you commit that faith promise, I want to tell you something. That thing, you're going to see that back someday. You're not just giving. You're investing in something that's going to matter eternally. And it'll never change. Haman can't take it away. God will take it and use it for such a time as this. I want to ask you something this morning. First of all, do you have it settled that you're saved in your heart? Are you saved? Is it settled in your heart, your mind? God didn't die on a cross so you can live in hope so or maybe so. He didn't die on a cross for that. He died on a cross so you could know. Know. These things have I written unto you. I believe on the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. I don't have a hope so salvation. I have a no so salvation. Do you know it? Is it settled? It can be settled today if you'll open your heart and ask Christ to come into your heart. It can be settled. But you're here today. You're saved. You know Christ. I want to ask you something. This is your time. 
This is your time. What purpose are you on this earth for? Bank accounts? Doing nice things? Having nice things? And by the way, there's nothing wrong with those things necessarily. But wouldn't you rather see eternal investments made? Something done forever, forever, that's going to last forever? I think that's what's going to matter the most. Maybe you're here today and you'd say, Lord, I see it. I get, I get it. I get the vision. I want to do something for you. I want to give. I want to pray. Or maybe you're one that God would call to go and reach these people for Christ. As Brother Matt spoke well this morning, there's a purpose that God has for every life. Maybe that purpose is that God wants you to go and be that one that God has called you to go reach them. And God works on your heart. God will, God will reveal it in your heart if you want to know it. He'll let you know. So I say to you today, this is our time. What are you doing in your time for Christ? If you're not saved here today, why don't you come and take my hand in the invitation today and let me pray with you and say how you can, how you can know Christ as your Savior. What a waste it would be to hear the gospel but do nothing with it. It's there for you in this time to be saved. And if you're here today and you're saved, what are you doing that's going to make a difference for eternity in such a time as this. Let's bow our heads this morning.